Hey everybody, welcome to episode 33 of the Brosane Detroit Pistons podcast. I'm Carl Rosane. And I'm Alex Rosane. And uh, today Alex came over tonight to watch the playoffs. Yeah, first day of the NBA playoffs, it's always exciting. Uh, notably absent are the Detroit Pistons who, you know, we, we kept chronicling, oh yeah, we have like a 60% chance of making the playoffs, oh 50%, hey man, there's still like a 40-30% chance and we just flagged at the end and sucked at the end of the year and it was just very dispiriting. Yeah, we debated whether it was worth putting together a podcast because the last time we had one, it was a pretty pessimistic one. Um that I almost felt like we were too pessimistic because we had bounced back for a while there and looked like we might even get the sixth seed or something like that. But uh, we thought we're here there watching basketball. We're thinking about the Pistons. We might as well put a bow on the season. A bow on the season. And Alex took some time to really put together some thoughts about how things are looking for next year. And if I had to summarize, I think you made a good case for rolling it back one at least one more year. Yeah, I think our um, our path forward from here. You know, we're, we're not contenders this year, and we probably won't be next year. But it's not impossible, and, and we could be very good next year and, and improve. Um, so it's, it's really not a situation where we're overextended and we've got to tear it down and get some lottery picks. We've got, we've got some good young talent, um, you know, put, uh, taking drastic action probably won't lead to a much higher chance of us being contenders, and it'll result in us wasting two or three or four years, including the last couple of years when we can expect Van Gundy to be at the helm. So, Well, it seems like to me that the first thing we have to account for if we're making this case is why did we suck so bad this year? Uh, or why did we – I mean, I think we're kind of a consensus disappointing team right now. Yeah. Uh, we're mentioned as – we were expected to win as many as 48 games by the uh, 45, 48 games. Yep. We finished with uh, instead we finished with thirty seven games thirty seven wins, and so if if we were just flat out bad, rolling it back because we had no better no better options wouldn't be a very um, a very compelling story even if it was still the worst, the least bad thing we could do. But I think we can make the case that we actually if we roll it back and things go better, we could maybe actually have that forty eight win season next year. But first of all, how can we explain why we were so bad this year? Yeah, I, I was just trying to take stock at the end of the at the end of the regular season. Like, okay, what what the heck happened? Um, and just looking at the three year arc over Stan Van Gundy's um, over Stan Van Gundy's tenure here so far, you know, we we really have improved on defense every year since he got here. And this year, we finished uh, seventh be- with the seventh best defense in the league, and that's pretty that's really good considering that um, we our offense wasn't very good and so the teams the other team is starting with a rebound a lot more often and also we're playing with our um, our our center is you know frankly has his head up his ass half the time just Andre Drummond um, uh, has stretches where he tries hard but he just doesn't appear to have the instincts to play excellent positional defense all the time and yet you know during a stretch at the beginning of the year, we were among the best in the league, and we finished with a top ten defense. So, we, so that's that's impressive. We have a good defense, but we still haven't explained. Yeah. Why, so, why do so, we start? so, so I started there looking at the defense and didn't find a problem there. What I found was that our our offense went from being below average in Van Gundy's first year to a little to around average last year, and then we got we just got a lot worse, and we were 
of, I, I forget what our rank was, but it was like in the 20s uh, this year. And so the, the problem was that our offense got worse. Now, well, interestingly, if you just look at points scored per 100 possessions, we were exactly the same this year as last year. But the league got better by about two and a half points. So whatever it is about, you know, better shooting, better schemes, the refs calling things differently and um, allowing less hand checking or whatever it is, for whatever reason, um, teams are scoring more and we stayed flat. Um, and, yeah, so I, it's it's that our um, our defense got better, but our offense got worse um, by so much that it uh, overwhelmed our improvement on defense and made us go from an above average to a below average team. Yeah. And the obvious reason there is that Reggie Jackson, the most important offensive player on our team was injured, came back, didn't seem to be the same person. In the meantime, we had to, our, our team chemistry had to re- recalibrate. I mean, one of the, to me, one of the saddest things looking back on the season is that the times when we looked most dynamic and exciting was being led by um, the sort of fast-breaking Ish Smith. And, you know, Ish Smith is cool. I, I like the guy. I, I want him to be a really strong backup point guard. But if he's the most exciting thing happening on offense, we're, we're going to end up with, um, you know, 37 wins in the 10th spot in the East. Which, as an aside, let's just take, to take a second just to, to reflect how, how much that stinks. That's the classic uh, Pistons miss the playoffs and not be bad enough to actually be have a high chance of getting a top five pick. So that's just a really crappy place to finish. But we're we're in grave danger of being stuck in a mediocrity trap uh, of teams that have that happen every year. The reason why we might not be in, in an actual trap there, where we get stuck there, is that our core players are young enough that they might still improve, and we had a significant injury mar- uh, hindering one of our best players this year. Um, but, you know, just looking at what, what was it specifically about our offense that got worse? Yeah. Um, there, there's one way of looking at it to break it into four different factors. Um, Dean Oliver, the, one of the godfathers of quantitative analysis of offense has four factors that he looks at to try to separate things. One is just how well that you shoot effective field goal percentage, which is field goal percentage where you correct for the fact that three pointers are worth more. Uh, there's, are you turning the ball over? There's, are you getting offensive rebounds? And then are you getting to the free throw line? And those are just the, you know, four ways to break down what is, what is the problem. Of course, you can get much, much more detailed about, you know, are you shooting near the basket? Are you, uh, how are you hitting wide open shots? But, you know, I don't really have access or time to dig into those super advanced stuff. But just, just looking at those, like, what was it that made our, our, um, our offense get two and a half points worse compared to the league? Um, and, you know, it, it's a it's a little bit of a mixed story. We we got better on some factors and worse on some. We got a little bit worse on field goal percentage. We just, um, you know, it's hard to quantify this, but just about half a st- standard deviation of the league wide variation. We, uh, we we moved down, so that's that's noticeable, but it's not really the whole, like the major factor. And I, it, we, we, I mean, we are a mediocre shooting team. We're one of the worst three point shooting teams, which in today's yeah. NBA is really bad. Yeah, I think I mean that that's a that's a big part of it. Now, of course, it's it's pretty um, obvious to say like, well, we'd be better on offense if we made more shots. So, like, we we can go into a little more later about what you know scheme wise and personnel wise what's happening. But just you know, we we didn't make as many of our shots com- uh, compared to the rest of the league. Uh, 
um, relative to the rest of the league. So this is all on a, on a like, how did we do compared to the league-wide average basis? Um, not, I'm not comparing just our straight numbers this year to last year, just if anyone's interested in footnotes, which, you know, probably not. But <laughs> uh, the second thing is we actually got a lot better on turnovers. We, we, did, we, we got a lot better on turnovers. We, we really very rarely turn the ball over compared to other teams in the league. And, you know, that's a good thing because giving the other team the ball, um, first of all, is just a bad way to end a possession. And it often leads to the other team getting a very high-efficiency possession with a fast break. And we don't really do that. To a great extent, that probably reflect, reflects us playing a conservative scheme. Like, we're not trying to throw, the, throw risky Hail Mary passes down the court, and we're not trying to, you know, get the ball into the post where people are trying to tip the pass. But that's, that's the, the thing we're really good at. We got worse on offensive rebounds, um, and, and we can talk about what's going on there. Um, you know, Andre Drummond is doing other things other than haggling for rebounds on the offense. He's, he has the ball in his hands more. He's shooting eight feet away from the basket. Um, I'm not exactly sure the whole story there. But the real thing where we dropped off, really dropped off a cliff is um, in, in how many free throws we make per you know, per the 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 Dean Oliver four factors way of expressing this is how many free throws per field goal attempt. Um, it just how much of your offense comes from free throws, mm-hmm. and that can come from bad percentage and not shooting a lot of them. We we got worse by over two standard deviations compared to the rest of the league, and that that's just dropping off a cliff. And um, what these point to to me. Are we we really don't have anybody who can uh, really disrupt the defense, cause the defense's plan to break down, and you, that can be having a guy who's awesome at posting up, a guy who is so good at shooting that you have to break your scheme to account for him, like a Steph Curry or Kyle Korver. But more to the point, you can have a guy get by his man, and you have to have help defense come, and that's what Reggie Jackson last year brought to our team, and he was why we were above average, and had stretches where we were good. And this year, um, he didn't play a lot. And when he did play, he didn't have it. And the thing that um, is hard for me to quantify, like one of one of our favorite, the ones we, we turn to a lot for uh, looking at an offensive player's efficiency is the offensive rating, which is a formula that boils down a lot of different offensive stats. And it's nice because it's calculated only based on box scores, so you can actually kind of fiddle with it without having it be some special sauce based on analytics that the casual fan doesn't have access to. But the bottom line is his offensive rating was the same as last year's, which is surprising to me. I just, I just looked it up as we were talking here. And um, I think his usage rate must be down or something. But what, what, what seems to accompany that is that our overall team just like, he doesn't actually create, it doesn't seem like when you're watching games he breaks things down and creates for other people. Uh, like, like to your point about yeah. causing the other team, causing a problem for the other team uh, to break things down and make it easier for the whole team. That just didn't happen this year, except for when Ish Smith was on the fast break. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I look at, um, you know, you might be looking at um, Andre's line there, comparing it. Yeah, that's the same as no. Reggie's last year. So One, Reggie, 109 here. Yeah. So last year, Reggie was at 109. Which is like just below where somebody, if they have a high usage rate, might be uh, close to being an all star. Oh no, no, no! He's, you know, he was one hundred and three this year, and, and then this year 
Okay, so here's one. Of, he was okay, just, so so that that at least okay the stats do do okay match up for that because I was like, wait a second, how the hell is that possible? So no, no, he, he is he was quantifiably kind of quantifiably yeah. bad to mediocre on offense this year. Yeah, he went from being above average efficiency and high usage to being um, medium usage and and low efficiency. But the more importantly for our chemistry. He, you know, he has the ball in his hands a lot, and he's trying to probe the defense. And if he doesn't make anything out of it, if he doesn't actually get by his man, then he just, like, picks up his dribble and looks around for a pass. And then we have six seconds to have somebody jack up a shot. Usually this year that seemed to be Marcus Morris or um, John Luer or somebody um, shooting a contested mid-range jumper, um, you know, doing their best. But that's just not the foundation of a good offense. Um, and... Uh, you know, Itch Smith's real um, NBA skill is that he's really fast and he can get the ball out in transition. But that's not your bread and butter. You, you have to be able to score in the half court. Um, ha, um, may, paying attention to getting out in transition and trying to get opportunistic points in transition, it's like a, it's a good practice and it's um, something that all good teams should be trying to do. But no team is in the top ten because they do that. They're in the top ten because they have a guy who can who's a problem for the defenses to plan for. And we just don't ha- didn't have that guy at all this year. We had Reggie Jackson trying and failing. We had a bunch of guys who you know who are okay but need somebody else to stir the drink for them. And then we had Andre Drummond trying to grow into that guy, um, but not not hitting enough of his shots. He he could get post ups and floaters off because he's large and quick. And he just didn't make enough of them, and he was—he had bad efficiency. Yeah, and if you look at when you're watching the game, sometimes Marcus Morris looks pretty effective on offense, but overall he's not really a really go-to guy. Tobias Harris looks pretty good oftentimes, but his number and his numbers look like above average as an offensive player. He's probably our best yep. individual offensive player. Yes, but he's not—he's not great. He's not—he's not, he's not going to be the guy who starts with the ball and creates for everybody else. He's just a, a competent NBA starter, which is great to have on your team. Yeah. So now my question is, okay, so Reggie Jackson had an off year, but the NBA is, you know, the, this everybody is moving on. Things seem to be – I'm just wondering, it's hard to get excited about rolling it back because you're like, well, that, the plan we had coming into the season was our identity is a pick-and-roll offense with uh, threats on the wings. And yeah. our wings can't shoot well enough. Just It doesn't seem like they can shoot just quite well enough. Like KCP – like he seems like a great three point shooter every third home game or something like that, but he's not yeah. actually overall a great three point shooter. So it just it, it would t- it takes a lot of patience to say let's just see if to really it hinges on Reggie Jackson being able to make the pick and roll thing work. Yeah. Um, I think we should also talk about Andre Drummond, the experiment of him being a post player. Yeah. Oh, one one more thing on Reggie. Well, our our three-point shooting this year, every wing player was a little worse this year than they were last year, percentage-wise. And I, I think that, along with our free throws uh, as, as a portion of our offense dropping off a cliff, I think that that just really is um, – that's the smoking gun for the, that Reggie's uh, penetration of the defense um, is what we were missing. Um, because having guys be open and having Reggie get to the foul line, having defenses rotate – and then be out of position when he passes to somebody like Andre uh, or somebody else who can get on the move and get fouled. So, um, so yeah, re- plan A, which is have um, 
Reggie be the leader of the offense wasn't there this year. So we tried plan B, which is let's feed it to Andre in the post. And, I mean, so the eye test was he didn't look very aggressive. He just he got nice-looking hook shots off and made some of them. It just, it's like a guy who's batting, um, you know, 260 or something like that. It doesn't look that different in a game from a guy batting 300. Um, but, you know, it's it just possession after possession, when it adds up, it just adds up to an inefficient offense. Yeah. Andre Drummond did make a leap to 38% on free throws this year. We were hoping, yeah. we were saying if he got up to 50, it'd make a big difference. But one thing that's interesting is people haven't, didn't do hacko as much. Maybe some of those rule adjustments mattered. That helped us, but um, yeah. I don't think we can count on that. So that's always also another risk going forward is that's, he didn't make a leap forward on that either, which was a key part of his, his liability on offense. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's really the centerpiece of our franchise. So we need to think about how can he be part of an elite team? And it, it comes to him being playing with it. I think it really comes down to him playing with a good, a really good point guard. And it seemed like they had that chemistry for a while, but imagine yep. if he could be a DeAndre Jordan. I mean, he really could be a good DeAndre Jordan. That's right. I mean, the, and uh, DeAndre Jordan for the Clippers, his main skill set on offense is um, be a threat to jump up and grab any pass near the rim and dunk it because he has a clear path to the rim because a point guard did something useful and broke down the defense. And um, DeAndre Jordan can... Catch you know starting ten twelve feet away from the basket, take a couple steps toward the rim and have a lob thrown to him and dunk it. And he has two elite passers on his team, um, who are threats on offense: Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. And um, you know, Andre Drummond has zero elite passers on his team. Frankly, uh, uh, Reggie Jackson at his best is is pretty near elite at at. Um, getting past his man on a pick and roll and being a threat to score. And he's kind of a mediocre passer out of that position, but he did well enough that we had a, um, a promising offense last year. But I'll just say, you know, stepping back and thinking about Andre's potential right now, there are, I don't think there are any centers in the league who are major offensive threats that don't, that can't shoot from the outside and don't have a, a great point guard to break things down for them and, and, uh, have them play that Tyson Chandler or, DeAndre Jordan role, who are both at their best with Chris Paul on their team. DeMarcus Cousins scores a lot with power and speed, but he also has, a, has an outside shot threat. So I'm thinking, like, I mean, could Andre be, like, 70% of DeMarcus, what DeMarcus Cousins is using his – I mean, Andre has incredible quickness and grace for uh, a guy his size. Um, not a lot of shooting touch, but he's okay. He's not doesn't look mechanical like Dwight Howard did. But Dwight Howard was an effective leader of an offense when he played for a Stan Van Gundy team. So I don't, I just don't know what to make of uh, uh, of his skill set. I don't think he can be the number one threat, but he can. If we can get somebody, if we basically if we can get Reggie back doing what what his job is on our offense, Andre can be a deadly secondary weapon, and um, and then hopefully anchor our defense. Yeah, I, I think that. We should probably mistake, put a flag in the ground saying just how patient are we or feeling with him in terms of – he still is pretty young. I mean, how old is he? Uh, the Yeah, it's, he he's uh, 23. 23. Yeah, so he's still freaking young. He's going to turn 24 this summer, yeah. I mean, I think by the time he turned – I guess I would say I – I guess I'd almost give him two more seasons if I was going to be fully patient with him. Uh if he if he came back next year and he and, and he just 
led the league in rebounding and or near that and was playing with a more a healthier Reggie Jackson and didn't really advance too far beyond that. We could probably I wouldn't be like, oh let's trade him, but like it'd be kind of disappointing. But if the year after that he still doesn't make a leap, then I'll feel like, you know, he can't be the re, the the centerpiece of a team that is hoping to go far in the playoffs, let alone contend. So um I think reminding ourselves of his timeline. Would you say that? Would you say, would you say that's fair? Like you would you would expect to see him make that leap? I mean, big men are not elite until they're twenty seven. They don't have their best years, but yeah, they have to be showing some. Like he's been. This is the second, maybe third year in a row. He's been kind of basically flat as a performer. Well, well as as a yeah. good performer, leading the league in rebounds practically. Like he was like a, a half rebound shy of leading the league in rebounds again. And yeah, that's 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 the thing. Um, you know, so some centers really do make the leap at ages 24, 25, if they really rely on their crazy athleticism, like Dwight Howard, who, who could just take one dribble, um, hit, hit the defender with his butt, and turn around and dunk it over him. Um, even though he is not that um, massive, he, he was just so strong and could jump so high. Shaq would just use his bulk to do the same thing. And then other guys um, peak a little later, and their skills improve, or their their uh, understanding of defense improves, and so it's just it's just so hard to say. So when when do I when will I kind of give up on him? I feel like you can't really say it's all for sure done until he's like twenty eight. But the it well, that, I, that doesn't I, I, mean I won't be super disappointed if he doesn't make a leap next year or the year after because we're paying him so much and, and we really are only going to go as high as he can take us. And if and if he doesn't take off, then we're just going to be mediocre. It, we're just stuck with him because if we decide to trade him, that'll be selling low, and we won't get anything back for him. We'll just get some similar mediocre performer back if we trade him, you know, on a big contract, not doing very well. So it's just so, so hard to, you know, they, we're we've we've hitched our wagon to Andre Drummond, and wherever he takes us is where we're going to go. So if we want to, with that mindset, we really need to have a point guard that can help him thrive. And Reggie Jackson could be someone who he's effective with. We're going to, we think we should roll it back. I can't think of any better ideas. I, I really would, would hate to see us get impatient and tear it down. Like I would be really disappointed if we like fired Van Gundy right now and, you know, traded, you know, tried to blow things up in some way or so, or, or, yeah. or I, I do think that for, for one more year to come back and if we were, if we if if Reggie Jackson can start to look like his old self, that's still a key thing though because he he came back from injury and he had like half the season to play. It wasn't like he was you can account for just being rusty. Like he's lost a step, but maybe what it was is he came back too early and was just trying to play. The, I, I think the story at the end of the season, almost like the face saving thing when we kind of shut it down and stopped playing him for the last few games. It was almost like and, and Van Gundy said you know he was trying to do too much and. Um, it was almost heroic and it was too hard on him because he just wasn't playing it like himself. But what if that's the new, the, the new him, you know, I mean, then, well, then we're really in trouble and, and yeah, we, have, we, trouble. Have, we need to like make a move and, and try, find, try to find a way to get a better point guard. Well, I mean, Andre's going to outlast Reggie. So if, if the Andre Reggie era, I mean, it could end up wasting another season or two. If, if Reggie, he, he's coming back from um, a knee, he had previously had surgery on, started to have inflammation problems during the year. And, um, and he 
just didn't have the explosiveness. And he said, "My, you know, I would be, I would see an opening and I couldn't get to it. That's a bad sign. But, and then there are other pro- times during the year when he would get too tired. And he, we've always commented about how he always seems to be like the sweatiest human being ever and breathing really hard all the time on the court. I don't know if he needs to do like uh, some high intensity interval training to <clears throat> increase his VO2 max or something. Shout out to our dad who's always trying to get us to do that. And so I, I think he, he, it's hard to know. That's between him and the training staff. But if the coaching staff is saying he can come back better, and we know he's this like fragile, like confidence fueled guy, maybe they just didn't want to have him destroy his confidence destroyed. And if he's feeling confident, he'll come back feeling confident and and do well. If not, what are our other options realistically? Well, we're paying him a lot of money. We don't have a a big salary cap slot to sign a good free agent. Um, you know, maybe Phoenix would trade Eric Bledsoe if they win the draft lottery and can get one of the two stud point guards in the draft. Um, and, you know, get, they could get draft picks and young guys from us. Um, but Eric Bledsoe, even though he's really good, he's not a lights-out shooter. Uh, he's a great defender, so we would have we would have an amazing defense with him. But he's he's had knee problems. Like, he's missed large chunks of, of seasons with with uh, knee injuries. I think he had his meniscus taken out or something a few years ago. Don't quote me on that, but so that's a, that's a risk. I mean, um, Minnesota maybe would get rid of Ricky Rubio again, great defender, great passer among the worst shooting point guards in league history does not fit our scheme. There's just a bunch of other guys that are kind of like Reggie Jackson out there. Is there, is there some rule? Is there some special rule we could use to like get Devin Booker after all? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, was it was it the KCP pick over him? Yeah, I mean a lot of people miss Devin Booker. Yep, but he he yeah, looks like pretty. 10 teams. He looks pretty good right now. Um, but one one more thing on Andre Drummond. You, you mentioned this is the third year in a row of similar production. His overall, you know, you know, win shares and stuff like that has been pretty flat. His PER, his the sort of out the door overall stats. But the components of that have been really different every year. He's Three years ago, he was a only dunk it, only dunk it when somebody hands it to me right near the basket and work hard to get tippins on the offense, on offensive rebounds rather. This year, he was trying to be one of the you know shot creators. We threw it to him in the post, and that's this is really he's had like a year and a half of trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe he could get better. The uh, Zach Lowe said in a column one time that. Um, the 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 coaches want him to face up and use his quickness to get around guys and use his size to try to dunk on people. And what he's doing instead is shooting hook shots, his precious little hook shots. Which the reason those moves exist is as a counter move if somebody overplays you for the the primary move, which is getting to the basket. So yeah. he so he's you know he's like a guy who has a ninety five mile an hour fastball potentially. He has that kind of arm, and he's insisting on throwing curve balls and junk, junk breaking balls and stuff like that. But the reason those pitches exist is for guys who are not able to throw the heater. And so, you know, so and people around the league have speculated that he's not going to the basket because when you do that, even though you get to you dunk sometimes, you also get fouled a lot, and it's embarrassing to be at the foul line and miss both, which he does about half the time, miss miss both. Yeah, um, and I think he's just got to get over it, and just like, even if he stays at forty percent, getting followed a lot, 
getting the other team's starters in foul trouble. Um, if you, you know, if you airball a free throw, the other team's not getting a fast break out of that. I think we just got to live with it. And, and also, by the way, our team can get an offensive rebound on missed free throws, so it's not always a loss either. I, I feel like he's got to, if he's going to take that next step on offense, it's not just being a dunking threat on pick and rolls, which requires Reggie Jackson to come back. It's also, you use his guard-like quickness at a the size of a giant to be able to, you know, put teams in positions where they either have to let him dunk or follow him over and over and over again. That's how he becomes an all-star, uh, a perennial all-star. If he if he does, he's already one of the best re- rebounders in league history. He really is like probably in the top ten rebounders in the history of the NBA already, and that and that's aw- an awesome place to start. Yeah, and I think his his defense is another thing that's worth talking about. His foot speed, his ability to stay in front of people if he guards people on the perimeter, yeah, is something that we talked about before. If if he could, he's been encouraged by the coaching staff just to use the, to not hang out near the rim and then look kind of clueless when people get near him and jump at the wrong time and miss blocks. Uh, he, he doesn't, but what he can't, so he's not going to be someone who times things just right. But what he could be is someone who shuffles out and 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 basically smothers a wing defender and can actually stay in front of them uh, and kind of go out and, and attack people that way. And, he, and he's got quick hands, and he gets a lot of steals. So it, 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 that would work perfectly with him going out and trying to smother a guy. He could tip a ball away and have it go back into the backcourt, waste five seconds of their shot clock, and then we all reset the, the defense. I mean, again, to have a number seven, the number seven defense in the league where Andre's not – really playing the right scheme because he's not comfortable with it, to you really unleashing his skill. Just like on the offensive end, it's about using his skills to the max. He's doing what he's comfortable with rather than what is to our best advantage. And as a 23-year-old, that's fine. I mean, the, you know, there, there, are, there are guys who graduate from college and play in the NBA at age 22. You know, so it's like there's time. There's time. But that, that's what he has to do to really go to that next level in my opinion. And it's hard to give up on someone who is so young and so athletically gifted and who's already producing well. It's just that we've been so high on him for so many years now. It's, uh, but to, I, I'm ready to be patient with him for another year or two for sure before I start to feel like the fire the bum kind of attitude that I've seen among some of my friends. Yeah. I, another thing that I think is more troubling that some of my friends or people I talked to about the Pistons pick up on that is true is his inconsistent effort like him not just being like an animal who always gives it his all. He can look. He looks like he can be checked out. He looks like he's concerned about his individual performance. Like he'll get if he gets off to a bad start, he'll, he'll his effort on defense will be low, stuff like that. And that's the maturity thing. Yep. I mean, thinking professionalism. About, yeah. So I mean, thinking about when I was twenty three years old. I mean, my I mean, God. Jesus. Like, yeah. I, who knows? Trying trying to be that well, mature. Like I have no idea what I was doing. Uh, and so I, I, I'm ready to be a little bit patient with him. And in the meantime, it's not like he's a, a problem. It's just that we have high hopes for him. So, um, yeah, exactly. I, and then in terms of, so, so I don't think we should trade Andre because it would be selling low. And it's not like there's some other, like, better player that someone would trade us for him. And same with Reggie. It's like, we're, we're, if he's good enough to get something awesome back, in a trade, then we should just keep them. It, it, you you want to do a trade when you 
when there are matches with another team, like we have a short time horizon, another team has a long time horizon, and we trade assets or something like that. We're just doing player for player for this year, I don't think you ever really can hope to like totally swindle another team. You know, Van Gundy's had us playing better and better every year. Our defense has gotten better every year. We're a low turnover team. We seem to have some kind of like morale or spirit problem. And, you know, we're just bringing the effort every night and having feeling good about playing. I think part of that might just be Van Gundy's style. When you're not doing well, it can really grate on you to have people pointing out your mistakes all the time. But on the other hand, you know, we were just watching a game with the Spurs. Um, you know, Popovich might have a similar style where I've seen him call timeouts and yell at Manu Ginobili, who's been playing for him for 15 years or whatever it is, about missing a pick-and-roll rotation or something. And when you win, it just erases all the, the spirit problems. And so it might be like a feedback loop thing. We just Once we start winning, then everyone will feel great about what a bunch of professionals we are who go out and execute. And, and to your point at the beginning of the episode about our defense getting better every year, I, I give Van Gundy credit for some of that, you know, like we, cause our kind of defense is not just like, it's not anchored by like an elite defender in the middle or something. It's, it's like, yep. we're really good at sticking with the rotations, um, making the shot clock dwindle down, forcing a bad shot. It's not like a spectacular defense in the way that like Wallace times two was in yep. 2003, 2004, but it's an effective defense and, and it's a very disciplined one. We have we have the number seven defense in the league with zero elite individual defenders on our team. KCP is like a plus defender, but he's not like Kawhi Leonard or, or uh, Marcus Smart or Eric Bledsoe or something out there smothering guys and shutting them down. We do have an elite defensive rebounder in Andre Drummond, and I think we were the best or among the top two or three. At maybe I think number one in defensive rebound percentage. That's one thing we do very well, which is when the other team misses. They don't get a chance to get an offensive rebound very much. And, and you know, that's a start. The, so that's another hope we have going forward. We have these, here's how we can get better on offense. We also, I mean, if, if Andre learns more and just does a few more things scheme-wise and Reggie gets more consistent on using his long arms and effort on defense, we could be like the third best defense in the league next year. And once you're at that level, then you just have to have an above-average offense which we've done before, to be like a second round in the playoffs kind of team. Yeah. Um, you know, we haven't talked about Tobias Harris much. You well, I was, I was just thinking, why don't, we, why don't we kind of just do a quick round and, and like just talk about every remaining starter at least. Yeah. So Tobias, let's talk about yeah. him. Yeah. I feel good about him. He's, he's still, I think, only 24. So he's he, either he's going to get – either he could get better for one more year or he could be as good as he is now for like five – to eight more years. I mean, we just watched part of a playoff game where Vince Carter is, is 40 years old in a game and still contributing as a starter on a playoff team. But um, you know, he's, he's efficient. He, he doesn't seem to be able to create a shot at an elite level where he can have like a really high usage rate, but he can, he can be like a 22, 23% usage rate guy, which is, you know, you're not just standing around waiting for the star to pass you the ball and shoot an open shot. And he's pretty efficient. He can create, he can post up, he can do a show and go, he can shoot a wide open shot. I think he's a really solid, like if he's the third best offensive player on a, on a team, your team could be really excellent. He's not a go-to guy or an all-star 
level, like the leader of your team. Yeah. I feel really good about how he fits in with our, our chemistry. The, the way I, when I notice him, I notice him because he's playing really well. Yeah. Right? And I, I never notice him because he's playing really badly. So yes. that's, that's nice. He, he disappears a, a little bit sometimes. And and he was not able to fill the vacuum when Reggie's shot creating went away, and so that just shows his limitations. There's there's a slight chance he could take a leap up and become our go to guy and be like suddenly he's Paul George out there or something. Not you know ninety eight percent chance that doesn't happen, but you know he's an asset and and I like that he can play small forward and power forward and he gives us versatility. He seems to try hard on defense and be an average defender, so yeah. he's fine. All right, KCP. Which also is relevant because it's a decision about whether we give him a max contract. Yeah, I mean, uh, in 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 my opinion, he's he's just like a, a plus defender and can be um, uh, a useful role player on offense. He he does not create a shot at all. Really, never never turns the ball over because he never tries to do anything difficult or create a shot. He can just like pull up and take a take a jump shot. Um, he's a streaky three point shooter. But if, if the rest of our offense works well and he's open more, he'll be an adequate three-point shooter. Okay. Yeah, he's a 35% three-point shooter, which is okay. Like, it's good enough that you should be welcome to take three-pointers yeah. sometimes. But you're not, like, he's not good enough to really stretch the floor. There are games where, especially when before Reggie came back, I almost wonder, <coughs> he could really get it going sometimes and just have really impressive games. He had a stretch where he had, was averaging over 20 points. Some games where he was hitting some really clutch shots, uh, and you, it was starting to get excited about him. And then when Reggie came back, it felt like he had to readjust. But then, as as we had enough time to stabilize, I just became convinced that he is a solid player that I like having on our team. But I'm feeling hesitant to give him a max contract. I feel like that's the kind of. But I don't know. I don't know if we have a better option. What do you do when you're in the position we're in, where? Um, if we let him leave, we don't have a salary. We only have like a mid-level exception salary cap slot to sign somebody else. We we would be getting worse for sure. There's no player as good as him that we can get with our remaining money. Oh, so the so the reason that he's valuable is because we drafted him. We're able to have a favorable cap situation and maxing him out. It's it's not favorable. It's it's more like our. Um, it's not like we can get him for less than anybody else, but it's, yeah, we can, oh, I see what you mean. I'm sorry. Yes, we can um, re-sign him, go over the cap to re-sign him. Um, he's a restricted free agent, meaning we can match any offer anybody else gives him. But just the way the league is going, more and more teams are playing three wing players at the same time, and traditionally they only played two. And so there's just kind of, you know, think about supply and demand. There's much more demand for wing players who can defend and, and hit a wide-open three than there are guys who are good enough to do it at the right size. And KCP's one of those guys, and he's young. And he's just, you know, he's becoming a free agent at exactly the right time. He's going to get a max contract, even though he is, I would say, um, an average NBA starter. Yeah, and, and I, I like I like him. Like I, He's someone that I would love, I want to see come back. I would, I would so... Yeah, I guess just knowing that thing about the like the fact that what we'd be able to do if we don't do it is just sign a mid-level exception player, right. then yeah, we should max him out. You know, the 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 real principle about when you're making decisions among alternatives is you have to say, should I do this plan compared to what are my other choices? And our other choices are not better. What about like a couple years down the road? Could it bite us? Like 
season after next? I mean, or is it basically favorable uh, for this? For this, I mean, with, with um, Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson signed to the contracts they're signed to, we're not going to have a ton of cap room, no matter what. Like, it, I mean, maybe it'll bite us like three years from now or something. But I mean, are, is it really worth getting worse for two or three years so that maybe we don't regret something a few years from now? Um, I, you know. It, it's not like that that money we're paying him is available to pay somebody else. It's just coming out of the owner's pocket. So I think if we if we knew we didn't want to pay him, we should have traded him during the season to a team that did want to and got something back. Now that we've taken this path and played, you know, didn't trade him, kept him throughout the season, I think we've basically committed ourselves to matching any offer. And if we didn't, that either means something changed behind the scenes and we changed our mind. Or we're idiots. And I don't think either one of those is the case. I think we're going to match any deal, probably a max deal. Brooklyn's out there with no good players and a ton of cap space. They'll probably make him a max offer, for example. Yeah. And I I, I guess I, it's hard to remember, too, like the season before la, like last season. Uh, looking at his stats, he's basically the sim, similar production this year as he was last year. But he had a period this year where he looked really, really good. So it, sort of the non-rigorous yeah. fanboy thing is like, what if KCP can become that player on a regular basis? All right, let's talk. So we, we haven't talked yet about Marcus Morris. He's signed to one of the best contracts in the league. Uh, he's he's making below the league average salary. He signed some special deal in Phoenix a few years ago. Uh, it was a package deal with him and his twin brother, Markeith Morris, who now plays for Washington. They both took less money so they could stay together. And then Phoenix traded both of them. Um, um, so he is, you know, he's an average offensive player and an average defensive player. Worthy of being a starter, but it, he should probably be a, the the fourth or fifth best starter on a really good team. And he, and we're, we got a good deal on him. So yeah. he's a trade asset. He, he plays, you know, the same position. He and Tobias Harris can both be on the floor at the same time. They both are kind of small forward, power forward guys. In the long run, what we want to happen is have Stanley Johnson get good enough to make him come off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's not the problem. He's not the solution. Um, he's a he's a good veteran to have. Um, yeah, and we have him wrapped up for the next next season at least. So it's not like we have to. Is it, yeah, so our, our contract goes through next season and the season after. Okay, at you know less than six million a year. That's a um, great contract. Yeah, yeah, and so that's a trade asset. That's the type of contract that somebody might trade a first round pick for. Um, you know, if we wanted to reset, um, I, I don't think that we should be trading away our first round picks. I think we should just keep, you know, taking that flyer on a having a chance of having a guy be real, better than expected. Um, and I don't think we should um, trade four first-round picks either. We don't. We should just sort of draft a guy every year and throw him into the mix, in my opinion. Okay, yeah, and no, John Luer. Yeah, John Luer was a sometime starter, so we'll we'll mention him too. I th- you know, he for half or two-thirds of the year, he played really well. And he, he seemed to kind of hit the wall or run out of gas the last third of the year. He's, um, he's actually a, lot, a little bit like a Marcus Morris quality, in my opinion. Um. Average defender can hold his own a little bigger, more of a traditional power forward size, so mm-hmm. he can um, protect the rim a little better in certain matchups or, um, you know, stay in there and rebound. He has decent skills. He can hit an open shot, and he can get to the basket on a show-and-go if a guy closes out on him. A lot like Marcus Morris. Not the problem, not the solution. 
Yeah, my my only thing that I'm a little bit worried about, like he actually he was had a pretty a decently efficient season, 113 offensive rating this year, a bump from last year. The one thing that concerns me is his his dip in three point percentage. Like he, he yeah. really struggled for the second second half of the season. Finished the season at an under 30 percent three point shooter, yeah. and that was one of the big premises of him being worth signing for. His, you know, the what are we paying him? Ten million ish. Uh, Ten million ish a year was that he he was sort of like a stretch a stretchy guy. Yeah. So we that's my I I I want to see his three point percentage rebound. The year before that he was a thirty eight percent three point shooter. Yeah. So maybe he kind of average. Then the year before that he was twenty four percent. So hopefully he'll rebound next yeah. year. So so the the bad version of that story is last year was a fluke and he's not that good. Uh, and we just have to live with his production. You know he's still a fine player. Um, it, we just won't have him shoot that much. The good version of that story is um, the, this year he, it was a little bit fluky that he was so low, and he'll go back to something in the mid-30s. And also, um, a lot of times, um, guys who don't create their own three-pointer, the, the, the story of their percentage is a little bit about luck and mean reversion and all that, but a little bit about did your primary offensive forces on you know that make your offense go do a good job of getting you open shots. So this, again, goes back to Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. If they, if he was shooting more of those shots wide open, you know, the, maybe he would hit more. And then finally I would say he played, a, I think he played a lot more minutes this year than he did before. And maybe he just wasn't ready for it. And he can come back in better shape and make more of the shots at, at game speed. So that, you know, there's a, there's reason to, it's not unrealistic to be hopeful on John Lewis. Outside shooting, but of course there's no guarantee. He could maybe he just sucks now. I mean, we, we just yeah. And the last person let's just talk about for five minutes, Stanley Johnson. You know, on the face of it, he was just worse this year, and yeah. that's just kind of all there is to it. Uh, looking more closely, he he was he was almost invisible to start the season, and and for a while he he like almost completely lost Stan Van Gundy's trust. It almost seemed like he was being hazed this year into. Really being a defense first player and prove yourself that way before you're even like allowed to think about being contributor yeah. otherwise. But when you watch games, you're kind of like, I'm glad I'm glad that guy's on our team. You know, like I, I kind of have this like maybe because <laughs> he he still looks really athletic and he still looks like he can he belongs out there and he, and and we can pin some hope pin some hopes on him. But if you look at his stats, just a very inefficient offensive player. Yeah, I mean he's. Next year, he's going to come in uh, playing what would, for a lot of guys, be their senior year of college, you know, at age 21. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe he had some problems with professionalism or preparation this year. Um, I don't think I was worth a damn at anything professional at age 20, um, personally. But uh, I, I wasn't being paid millions of dollars either, of course. But, yeah, I, I you know, it, it's, it's too early to give up on him. But it was a really disappointing season for him. I think you're right that the coaches were just trying to be like, look, you you got to earn your way onto the floor. He had a few sparks and a few moments, and you know, at the end of last year, and you know, he some national people mentioned that he played hard against LeBron. Maybe he just you know, didn't try hard enough to come back hungry in the after the off season. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, he he just during the middle of the year, someone mentioned something about that he lost a little weight and then played a little better. After that, which is kind of interesting, um, and, and his minutes were down. Like he, he had five fewer minutes a game, and it just yeah. like that's 
that's that, I think that's a, a big one of the more telling stats. So the, hopefully next year he comes in uh, with the right attitude and harmony with the coaching staff and becomes a solid. I mean, at this point, I remember last year. It's funny having been on the record for thirty-two podcasts now. At one point, like trying to claim that he would be an all-star someday. At this point, it's like, could he be a could he be a, a starter? Could he be an average NBA starter? Would be like a, a good that, yeah that that would, that looks like close to the best case scenario yeah. at the moment, which which is really sad. Now that being said, again, you know, twenty years old and um, you know has has a winning attitude. He's, he won in high school and college cha- championships. Van Gundy like really liked him. Um, ten years from now, he will not be past like in the past his prime part of his career. Just think about that. He'll be thirty. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so you know, let, let's just you know, we don't have to start the guy. We got Marcus Morris. We, we've got Tobias Harris. You know, let's just let him earn his way into minutes. So I don't know. That's what that's what I think about him. I, unfortunately, we it's probably not worth talking about our first round pick from this last year, Henry Ellenson, very much. Didn't earn his way onto the floor at all. Uh, he pl- he started or or played some minutes the last few games when we were just sort of let's play the young guys. Um, honestly, I didn't watch any of those games, and looking at the box scores didn't look like he lit the world on fire. So we just I hope we see something from him next year because uh, you know I, I'm not sure who we could have had who was better, but you know he, he doesn't look too promising. No, yeah. So on that note, we need to get get back and watch some uh, playoff basketball here. Uh, but we will be checking in in the mid off season at some point to look more carefully at what we, what kind of moves we might make. But uh, at yeah. this point, it's kind of looking like we're gonna we're gonna do a redo here and uh, with a couple of tweaks. And can we actually gel together and be the team we think we could be and and be the you know Washington of next season where we surprise people. Yep. Get you know upper forties and and be the fourth or fifth seed. Two yeah, percent uh, chance we win the draft lottery and, uh, when, when that happens during the playoffs, and uh, uh, yeah, then we'll consider everything else and go from there. Mm-hmm.